This is The Candidates, a limited podcast series by Only Sky Media, highlighting non-religious candidates in the 2022 midterm elections. I'm your host, Sarah Levin. In this episode, I'm speaking with Chinoa Summers, who was inspired to run for Arkansas's 20th Senate District when extremists started attacking and banning books from her local library. In this episode, we talk about teacher pay, white Christian nationalism, and how the climate crisis is impacting her district. Take a listen. Sarah Levin here with Only Sky. I am so pleased to be here with Chinoa Summers, who is running for the Arkansas State Senate in District 20. Welcome, Chinoa. Hi, thank you. So I want to start by asking you about the fact that you're running openly as an atheist. Our audience uh, is the rapidly growing number of religiously unaffiliated, um, really concerned about the, the stigma uh, against being non-religious and really excited to see more and more candidates like you just be open. So can you tell me about just, you know, how you identify and how you how how being an atheist or if there's any other labels that you use um influences your values, both as a person in your everyday life, um, as well as a candidate? Um, so I, I'm definitely an atheist. Um, and I have been for, man, at least 15 or more years now. Um, I came out as an atheist when I was in high school and, um, I was bullied horribly for, for that kind of thing. Um, so when I got to college, I ended up kind of going off and on, uh, to the, the, I think they called it the secular student Alliance Mm -hmm. there. Um, so I felt a little bit more, you know, uh, welcomed (laughs) at that point. And uh, I started getting more comfortable in my skin. Um, now I grew up as evangelical. Um, however, my mom was very, uh, liberal. Um, she was a, a Democrat as well. And, Although, you know, it was, I was evangelical growing up, a lot of those values kind of followed me. <laughs> you know, um, one of my uh, platforms is love, love thy neighbor, mm-hmm. because, you know, I don't care what your race is, what your national origin is, religion, gender identity, etc. is I plan to represent everybody no matter what. Um, whereas my opponent only wants to focus on Christians, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Right. No, absolutely. And what what was the turning point for you when you decided to run for office? What motivated you to to say, I'm going to run for the state senate in Arkansas, in Arkansas it, where I imagine it's very difficult to be uh, openly atheist? You mentioned being bullied in high school. Yeah. Um, so the, there's a lot of reasons why I decided to jump in this particular race. Um, and one of them is the fact that our local library here, um, so I live in Craighead County, uh, in Arkansas, Jonesboro, um, and we have, uh, one of the best libraries in the state. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has been attacked relentlessly over the last year, year and a half or so, um, by censors. Um, and not just like any old, you know, oh, I don't like this book, so you have to take it off the shelf. It's particularly 
Christofascist censors. Uh, they want to take books off the shelves because it does not align with their uh, religion. Um, and my opponent was one of the ones who kind of stirred all of that up. And um, he got up in front of um, a big crowd, um, August 2021, um, at a library board meeting and misgendered a, a trans man and threatened library funding and all sorts of horrible stuff like that. So at that point, that was a turning point for me. I had to get involved. I could not stay silent anymore. Um, so um, I really decided to run in November 2021, and then I announced it in January 2022. Is this, is your election really about turnout and activating those folks who are kind of the maybe silent majority on issues like this? Absolutely. And we have been working our butts off um, over <laughs> the past year. <laughs> um, we have been uh, making lots of phone calls, uh, knocking on doors, sending out postcards. We have been just going at it for, for maybe the, the past year. Um, and with that said, my opponent doesn't seem to have started campaigning until this past August. So like a month ago. Okay. Yeah. So you got a, a really good head start. And how, how is that going? What, what's the kind of feedback you're getting from folks? Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, they're just glad somebody's running against him. It seems like he has slighted like everybody here somehow in the past. So they just want him out. He was an educator here for many years. Um, he, he taught, I think PE, uh, but later became a principal. And it seemed like at that point he just became power hungry and just was very authoritarian. Um, one of my, my really good friends, um, she, um, so <laughs> I have tattoos, as you can see, uh, yeah, she, she became a tattoo artist mm -hmm. and, um, she had him as a principal in high school. And I mean, he was horrible back then, but whenever her grandmother passed away, um, he came to the funeral, came up to her and said, you're never going to get a job with those tattoos, even oh, though she, she is making so much money here as one of the best tattoo artists, like in the state. So and to come up to someone at a at, at a funeral just to put them down like that. I mean that yeah that that yeah. says a lot about his character. So you're finding a lot of stories of that kind of callous behavior and sort of power hungry. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And and here in Arkansas, um, I'm not sure how much uh, you're familiar with our teacher situation, but um, Arkansas. Um, has a, a or had a really big surplus and uh, teachers they're they're sorely underpaid here they're not paid a living wage not only What's the average pay right now um I want to, <laughs> average is not very accurate it, yeah. it's around fifty thousand but most teachers are paid well below that especially yeah. starting out um our starting pay, um, I think it's only about 36000 right now. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's discouraging people from getting into the profession. But most people are not making that $50,000. Mm -hmm. um, and they have to live like they have to, you know, have money to live on. Um, they need money to put back into their community to, you know, help the economy, you know, keep going. But um, Dan, my, my opponent in particular, uh, made a 
Facebook post just denigrating teachers saying, you shouldn't be asking me for more money. You need to go to your local school board. But it's not, that's not the case at all. That he would just. That's not how it works. The school board doesn't determine the pay. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we try to tell him. But no, he, he's adamant. No, it's not my problem. Mm, so Interesting for someone who came from education who probably knows better. Sounds like he's talking to a, a different kind of audience when he knows better. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you a little bit more about that because I did read on your site. I was really um, shocked to see, and correct me if I'm wrong, that Arkansas is 47th in the country in teacher pay. Mm -hmm. Just to give some context for the many listeners uh, who you know aren't, aren't from Arkansas and might live in more expensive states, for example, like New York or California, when you adjust for cost of living in Arkansas, what's the, how should we understand that 47th in the state? You know, because some people might say, well, but you know, it's probably cheaper to live in Arkansas, but it, it's probably, you know, when you adjust is still pretty shocking. Can you give us some context? Um, you need about $42,000 per year. Um, just, to make ends meet. Mm. So, and the starting was around 30 something. Yeah. 36,000. Some, some school districts in Ar Arkansas too, especially in Southern Arkansas are paid below that there. It's like around 34,000. Uh, but the state minimum is supposed to be 36,000. Um, and so there was, a uh, the, the raise act that was put forth by Democrats, uh, here, um, you know, the, the representatives and the senators, and uh, it proposed uh, raising the minimum up to $42,000 and giving all teachers across the board a $4,000 raise. Um, but, of course, they didn't bring it up in the special session in August, um, and Dan did not support it. Mm. So it's basically asking anyone who wants to go into the teaching profession in Arkansas to just walk right into poverty. Yes. If you can't, if you're starting salary, you can't even make ends meet. Mm -hmm. So yep. yeah, no, no kidding. Of course, you're going to have a teacher shortage. So what are other innovative solutions that you're proposing that would fix the issue of, of, of uh, te the teacher shortage in Arkansas? Well, uh, one thing could be um, giving free community college to, to anybody in the state of Arkansas. Um at the very least, giving those first two years free so people are not saddled with as much student debt whenever they, they do graduate. Um, and not, yeah, yeah. And uh, that should also, so I'm, I'm actually a college educator. Um, so that would help to provide more jobs for uh, college level educators. So, um, that's another, <laughs> even though I'm primarily talking about K through 12 educators, college educators are also just as bad off. So that's something that can kind of work together to help improve the K through 12 situation and uh, the college level. And are these proposals raising the, the minimum and uh, making at least two years of community college free, are they popular? Are, are they... Um, is it controversial? What are you finding when you're talking to voters about those ideas? Um, so raising teacher pay, giving them bonuses, um, raising staff pay, those that, that's wildly popular. And I'm honestly surprised they didn't bring it up in the special session. Um, as far as community college, free community college goes, I, I haven't 
like heard too much pushback when I talk to people about it. Um, of course, there's lots of pushback from the other side saying, how are you going to pay for that? Even though I have a plan for it. Um, they suggest that I would raise taxes, which that is not the case at all. Um, we have medical marijuana here in Arkansas, um, and that's that's part of what's generating so much of the the surplus. Mm -hmm. But um, recreational marijuana is also on the ballot for November. So we could use some of that as well to help fund all of these things. Commun free community college, um, you know, raising teacher pay, the the. Uh, the bonuses, um, better. <laughs> Another issue that they're facing is uh, health insurance. So we can give them more affordable and better health insurance as well. So I, I had a debate with my opponent uh, this past Friday, um, and I did not stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. I never do. I did not bow my head for the prayer. Um, he took that, he posted it on social media, and just ran with it. Um, I can see that bringing out the worst in people. Um, I have been attacked relentlessly since he posted. I think he only posted it on Monday, so like three days ago. Mm -hmm. um, so... That is, an, it, it seems like it's it's very much like the rural parts of Craighead County um, are harboring some extremism. Um, and I'll give you an example. So um, we have a paramilitary organization here in Arkansas. You might have heard of them like in other states, but the Patriots, they're called the Arkansas Patriots. Um, they have been terrorizing the library at this point. Um, they had threatened at one point to march around the library with guns, um, openly carrying assault weapons. Um, of course, we forward, forwarded that to the police to let them kind of handle that. Um, they, they've just generally been threatening um, the, the librarians, um, and even aside from the patriots, like the these extremists who are targeting the library to take books off the shelves or move books out of their appropriate areas, um, they are calling librarians groomers and pedophiles out in public. Um, and anybody associated with librarians or anybody who loves the library uh, they call us, I've been called a pedophile, I've been called a groomer, just because I love my library and support them. Um, and again, this is all, this all goes back to um, white Christian nationalism. Uh, they've specifically targeted LGBTQIA plus voices and black, brown, and indigenous voices. Anything that they don't agree with that doesn't you know, ascribe to their flavor of fascism, like it's, it, it, they target it and they just blast it. I envision, you know, laws being passed like here in Arkansas, 
being queer, being LGBTQIA plus is not protected. Mm -hmm. um, you could be fired for being in anything outside the norm, mm -hmm. um, you know, being outside of cisgendered, anything like that. Um, so I would envision laws that protect people in those groups. Um, I envision you know, these issues not coming up so much anymore as well. Like all of this stuff, libraries are supposed to be an op open repository of information. So I envision not having to go through all of these fights, at least I would hope so. as well. Um, I, I got degrees in physics and environmental science and I'm working on a botany degree as well. Um, and to my knowledge, I, I don't think there's a scientist in the Senate, at least not from Northeast Arkansas anyway. Um, so that alone, bringing, you know, those critical thinking skills, the ability to do my own research and know what sources to go to that are not going to be influenced by, you know, opinion. Um, I think well, that interest groups maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think that alone is going to be a huge asset to the Arkansas Senate. Um, but I don't really see the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm a scientist. Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, being secular obviously has influenced my ability to think critically. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily, you have to be uh, a secular, or you, you can't be religious and be a scientist at the same time, I guess is what oh. I'm trying to say. Mm. Um, so just the ability to, to think more clearly and about more people, not just, you know, the people who align with my particular political view. Like I, when elected, I know that I will be representing more than just my base, more right. than just Democrats. I'll be representing Republicans as well. Tea party Republicans. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so far right Republicans. Um, and I have the sense to keep that in mind. Um, I want to improve the life of everybody in my district, not just the people who elected me. Um, and I think that's a big contrast between me and my opponent because he's made it clear over and over and over. He only represents the people who voted for him and the people who donate to him. Mm -hmm. Which is a, a probably small, I imagine a small portion of the district if you're not seeing really high turnout for those elections. Yes, yes. We only have about 20% turnout. Wow. For for the, for the state Senate seat? Uh, well, in general. In general. In general. Yeah. For all, wow. Um, um, for the primary, it, I think it was right around 20 to 23%. Wow. That seems really, really low. Mm. Got to vote, folks. Yep. yep. <laughs> and that's this the thing. Uh, something I'd like to echo from uh, the governor candidate, who's a Democrat, Chris Jones. Um, he says that Arkansas is not a red state. Mm -hmm. We've had Democratic governors in the past. We've had a Democratic legislature in the past. 
what's happened is voter suppression mm-hmm. and we're a non-voting state. Mm-hmm. People think that, well, I, my vote doesn't matter. So why should I even try? That's the issue. So we need to get people past that saying my vote doesn't matter over to, well, yes, it does. <laughs> and it can matter by only about 30 votes as, as demonstrated in Northwest Arkansas. So can you, can you give some more context for folks who, who don't know about the race you're referencing? Oh yeah. Yeah. I didn't even. <laughs> so uh, Lisa Parks, uh, she was running um, a, a special election, I think back in February ish. Uh, don't quote me on that particular <laughs> thing, right. but um, she was running against uh, somebody else and she lost that seat by only about 33, 35 votes, some, somewhere along those lines, but it's a very thin margin. Um, and, you know, if those folks could have turned out, she could have won. So that's that's what we're talking about in the November election. Every vote counts. So, And how are you finding the persuasion campaign for turnout? Are you, I imagine you're working with just many years of distrust and disenfranchisement. So how, how are you getting people motivated and to really believe that their vote will count? Um. Honestly, um, I haven't had to do a whole lot of persuasion because my opponent has done it because he, so we all know about the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Well, my opponent was a sponsor for the trigger ban here in Arkansas, which makes it illegal to get an abortion except for the case of um, the life of the the mother. No uh, exceptions for incest or rape. Um, that alone has fired up women here in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, the teacher issue as well. Um, that I've had people <laughs> on the other side who say I've been lifelong Republicans or conservative, um, and they're flipping to vote for me. There was a school board president who, he's he's very conservative, very Republican. He said that we know the science works, that masks work in preventing the spread of COVID and the disease. Um, and we need to, to have a mandate during a surge. Like, that's common sense. Um, and uh, there was just so much pushback against that, that particular thing, that particular argument, including from my opponent. And um, after that ended up not passing in my local school district, um, he he emailed me after the fact because uh, I had just announced my intent to run and said that I'm going to vote for you because oh, you that's a great voiced story. your support. And like, yeah, <laughs> and that that really did put my faith back into to people because a lot I, I think a lot of Republicans are waking up to the fact that you know, we need to follow science. Like we need to have like a baseline, you know, library of facts, no pun intended. Um, it, it, it's just like, it, we need common sense. And uh, the, the extremism that my opponent is pushing is not common sense. It's just, it's, it's virtue signaling, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and what virtue I would question, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and that's funny because he just posted about, virtues we need to have discussion on virtues so yeah and i want to piggyback on that because i thought it was really interesting the way that you framed life on your um 
on your website. You didn't use the term pro-life, but you did have, you have sort of a plank around life and it's, it's not about abortion. It's about actually protecting public health and safety. Imagine that, right? So <laughs> tell me a little bit more about how you, um, think, think about framing values from your perspective as someone who is not coming from a Christian nationalist perspective, like your opponent, but using that language to communicate your own values. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's two two things. <laughs> so the first, I'll tell you the, the story behind it, and then I'll tell you um, the reason why I use the term life. But um, so I grew up very, very poor. So my mom, um, she was widowed when I was only like four years old. Um, and so we grew up in poverty. It, it, it was rough. Like there were some times that, you know, the water was cut off or um, the lats had to be cut off or, you know, whatever food wasn't on the table. Um, so I know what it's like to, you know, feel those struggles. Mm -hmm. Um, and with that said, I, I just feel like everybody needs a living wage. Like that's, I feel like that's a no brainer. Um, be able to provide for your family. If you're, if you're working full time or even part time, like you need to be paid that living wage. Mm -hmm. Um, my mom was also, um, she was disabled. Um, she, she had rheumatoid arthritis really bad. Um, fibromyalgia. She had so many issues, COPD. She was a lifelong smoker. Um, and it was very hard for her to get medical, medical care here in Arkansas. She had no dental insurance, um, on disability. She had no, uh, vision insurance. Um, so a lot of her teeth fell out. She couldn't go to the dentist and that just, it decreases the quality of life. If, if you think about it, if you have a tooth that's hurting, you need, you know, if it needs to be pulled, it needs to be pulled. Um, and, so that's where um, I would like to ex push for Medicaid expansion to include more people and um, more things like, you know, vision and dental. Those are absolutely quality of life improvements we could make. And we so already she talked. Had, she had disability um, benefits, but that mm -hmm. it did not include any health care or sufficient enough for her to be able to go to a dentist, for example. It, it wasn't sufficient. Um, she, she barely had enough. She got maybe $900 a month plus whatever. I can't remember the, the plan she had, mm -hmm. um, but it did not include vision or insurance or vision or dental. Mm -hmm. um, and she had to choose sometimes between what prescription she, she had to fill. Um, and I just think that's unacceptable. Um, especially for our seniors, like they have lived, you know, they, they have a ton of wisdom and experience and they served our community for years and we shouldn't let them, you know, suffer in silence. Mm -hmm. um, we need to make sure they have proper medical care. And even if they're not working, they need enough money to live on and $900 a month is not enough. Let me, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm wondering because you hear, this is, I'm sure the lived experience of so many other Arkansans and yet the narrative, um, around benefits being, um, you know, social welfare being handouts for people who just don't want to work is just so prevalent still. Do you find, um, you know, because I was really encouraged to hear that you're seeing voters, conservative and liberal alike, seeing their, li li living the experience of the teacher shortage and really kind of seeing through the rhetoric. 
Do you feel like people are seeing through that rhetoric when it comes to expanding Medicaid and expanding um, social welfare benefits in Arkansas, or are you still pushing up against that? Um, I think I'm still like getting some pushback on that. And I, I think it's, you know, more that pull yourself up by the bootstraps uh, mentality that's just ingrained, especially in a lot of baby boomers and even Gen Xers. Um, and as millennials, we're, we're just done with it. Like for me personally, another story is so I have these high tech degrees. I have degrees in physics and environmental science, mm -hmm. um, but it was so hard to find a job in my field here in Jonesboro, Northeast Arkansas. Um, and I would have to move if I wanted to get a job as a physicist or an environmental scientist. Mm -hmm. And uh, my husband, he he's a, a professor. He's also a physicist. So we also have that two body problem going on there. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's something that, you know, millennials here are facing. They're, they're going to college here at A-State, Arkansas State University. They get their degree and then they find out, oh, I don't have a job here in Jonesboro. What am I going to do? And a lot of them are going to these minimum wage retail jobs, which I mean, we need, we need, you know, people working those kinds of jobs as well, but they need to be paid a living wage. <laughs> you know, they, they need some sort of like insurance as well. They need medical insurance. They, they, shouldn't have to go broke just to go to the doctor if they end up testing positive for COVID, you know, something like that. Um, so I think I've been, I've been focusing a lot on young people. Um, and I think that's going to be what really decides this election, my, my race in particular. So take us back to how that all of that, um, all of those observations are informing the way you're framing your campaign and the language that you're using. Um, so going back to that life, <laughs> so <laughs> that honestly started out as a joke <laughs> because, oh. um, I, I, I remember discussing all of this with my, my husband and a few friends who were behind me wanting to, you know, run for, for this position. And I was like, I'm just going to take their rhetoric um, they're not pro-life at all. I, I'm more pro-life than they are. Um, right. so that's, that's where that came from. <laughs> honestly. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, actually, that's a pretty good idea. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Liberty as well. The, the second plank, um, that, that was another reason I used the word Liberty. I'm just taking their language and turning it around because they're familiar with, with that Liberty, um, freedom, the freedom to read the freedom, you know, reproductive freedom. Again, I'm a millennial. I like to troll. So <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> millennials be trolling. <laughs> that's great. How are you talking about climate in your campaign and how is the climate crisis impacting your district? Um, <laughs> climate change um, is really impacting Arkansas um, in particular my, my district. So um, 
in 2020, um, right after the, the pandemic like was announced and like we were right in the, the middle of it, um, we had a tornado rip through Jonesboro and it, it destroyed our mall, which was a big hub um, for, you know, pe people from all over North or Northeast Arkansas came to our mall and now it's not there. Um, then just this past December, we had a tornado rip through Stonesboro again. And I know so many people whose homes were destroyed in w one of these tornadoes. And uh, we've been having a lot of like flooding events, like in the heart of town, um, roads will be covered in water. And like, <laughs> what are you going to do if like you can't get home or, you know, you can't get to work because the road is literally flooded. Yeah. Um, it's, it's destroying crops here as well. The flooding, but also the reverse drought. Um, we, we've been seeing lots of drought as well. Um, so we've, we've been having extreme heat waves. This past summer has been like the worst I can remember, uh, as far as the heat's concerned. Um, like I cannot keep my house cool. And I, me and my husband bought our house. We were fortunate enough to buy it brand new. Um, so it, it's been about a decade since we bought it. So it's not like a super old house and yet we cannot keep our house cool enough because it's so hot outside. Mm. Um, and you know, as Gen Z comes up, um, you know, they go to college, they, you know, graduate, get a job, buy a house. Like these are things that they're going to have to deal with too, not just us millennials. Um, and it's, it, <laughs> it's not going to be fun, you know, like five, 10 years down the line. And that's, that's something I've been trying to, to get across, um, to everybody because these issues impact everybody, not just the rich, not just the poor, not just, you know, the disabled or, you know, the young, the old, it's going to affect literally everybody. And if we don't do something now, if we don't start putting things in place, um, we're going to be up a creek without a paddle. <laughs> to just wrap, how can um, people reach you and follow your campaign? Um, and how should they get involved um, if they're in Arkansas or in general, if they're in another state? Um, so you can uh, check out my campaign on uh, ChenoaForArkansas.com. I will spell that out because it's C-H-E-N-O-A number four. AR.com. The Candidates is a production of Only Sky Media, exploring the whole human experience from a secular perspective. Visit us online at onlysky.media.